So last week, uh, we, we ended up, we finished the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, he preached this stunning, magnificent sermon uh, that he presented to us the way of righteousness. Basically, what does it mean to walk righteous before God? What does that look like? In that sermon, Jesus went to great lengths to clear up some of the prevailing misconceptions about righteousness and about what it is to be righteous and what the law requires. You, you remember all of those, you've heard it said, but I say statements that he made. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, okay. So he, he said all that. He wanted to clear up what it means to, the law means, what the law requires. He, he had uh, several of those uh, woes that we talked about. And don't be like the hypocrites when you practice your righteousness in public. So he's clearing up misconceptions about righteousness. So, so he preaches this sermon and, and he essentially tells us, look guys, here's the picture of a righteous person. Here's a picture of this righteous person. And then in the conclusion of his sermon, if you remember, he, he gives us a parable about two builders. There was a wise builder who built his house on the rock and a foolish builder who built his house on the sand. The wise builder, remember, is the one who heard the words of Jesus and did them. So he's a hearer and a doer. But the foolish builder was the one who heard the words of Jesus but didn't do them. He was a hearer only. Now, I was thinking and praying about where should we go next and you know, given how Jesus ended that sermon and, and where that leaves us as a, as, a, as a people, you know, here's the picture of the righteous person. Do that. Don't just look at it. Don't just hear it, but do it. So the next logical place for me was, was James, the brother of Jesus, who also said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's James 1.22. So... James's letter, his epistle, is uh, widely regarded as, as a kind of a New Testament proverbs. It's like the proverbs of, of the New, New Testament. There's a lot of very practical instruction for us as we are to live out and walk out this picture of a righteous person that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount. So this is where I intend to camp out for the next several weeks in, in these five chapters in James. Now, um, don't panic. I know we took a long, we, took, we were very slow and deliberate walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We won't take that long in James. We're going to move a little bit more quickly through it, um, but we, we're, we're going we're to take our time with it, though. I think uh, in James, it's an important book because in, there's like something like 59 explicit commandments in James where he ex explicitly says, do this. I mean, there are literally hundreds, I mean, hundreds of commandments in the New Testament. We, we think the Ten Commandments are rough. Read the New Testament. There are literally hundreds of apostolic commandments in the New Testament. I, I, don't, I didn't take the time to count them, but I just going off the top of my head, I, I, there are at least nine that I can think of right now, explicit commandments in the Sermon on the Mount that we just covered, and that doesn't even include all the Im implicit commands. That's the stuff that we have to infer that we have to do in order to keep the other, other explicit commands. I mean, the New Testament is just full 
of apostolic commandments, and 59 of them at least are here in, in James. So James is, is full of these, full of instruction, New Testament apostolic commandments, which is very practical uh, instruction for how to live out, how to walk out this righteous life. So let's get to it then. If you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to read through verse 12. Obviously, this is a letter, it's an epistle. James begins, verse 1, with a, a greeting. James, a servant of God and, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Now, that, that's pretty short and, and to the point. Some of Paul's greetings are a paragraph and a half long. Notice that James doesn't mince words here. He is not particularly flowery in his greeting. He doesn't even offer the customary blessing like so many of the other epistolary letters do. Um, you know, Paul often says, uh, grace and peace be to you from God our Father. And, and in Jude, Jude says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And, and James, or Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Here in, in James, we just have greetings. <laughs> He's not doctoring it up. He's not, he's not uh, fluffing it up. This tells me that James means business. You know, he's got work to do. We're going to get down to the brass tacks. I mean business. I, I get the impression from just from the greeting. You got to be, be, be people of the word. Read your Bibles and read them critically. I don't mean to be critical of the Bible. I mean, read them th to think. Think about what is being written. This tells me, James, he's, he's not going to mince words here. He's getting right down to it. I do not expect, after reading that, James, to the uh, 12 tribes of the dispersion, greetings. I'm not expecting to get a whole lot of, of puffing up. Amen. I'm not expecting to get a whole lot of cushioning and hand-holding or softening or, or anything like that throughout this letter. I mean... It, that's where he's getting to it. I feel like that James means to uh, dispense with the pleasantries and dive straight into the deep waters, straight into the weighty matters. That's the expectation I get reading it. He means business, and I don't think he disappoints either. So let's continue to verse 2. We'll read down to verse 12. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I won't, I won't be able to cover this, so I'm not going to point it out. Um, we'll get to it next week. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. 
so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. All right, let's go back up to verse 2. James goes from greetings straight to trials. He don't waste any time. But he doesn't give us specific trials. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The King James says diverse temptations. So what kind of trials are we talking about? Well, various kinds. Any kind. Any kind of trial. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet any kind of trial. But specifically... Namely, the trials that test your faith. So these are, these are going to be significant trials then because they're faith-testing trials. My faith isn't very well tested when I stub my toe. My faith isn't very well tested if I have to skip lunch. Sometimes my faith is tested in traffic. Um, I'm kidding. But these are significant trials. These are, these are trials. This is, this is suffering that he's talking about. This can range from things like, you know, the, the little trials that we have, headaches. It can range from to all the way up to heartaches. It can be, you know, like I said, you're pricking your finger to the thorn in your flesh. Some of us, when we do stub our toe, we forget that we're Christian. Right? <laughs> when you get in traffic, you forget that you're Christian. These are trials and struggles James is talking about um, that we face all kinds, various kinds. And there are trials and struggles that, that we will face that will truly test us, that will test your mettle. Uh, they will reveal what you're made of. And James tells us, this is the first commandment he starts out with, Count it all joy. He says, do the miraculous thing and find joy here. Find a, a, a reason to rejoice here when you face trials. Verse 3, 4. That's where he starts off verse 3 with 4. Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. 4. There's your ground. This is the basis for counting it all joy. He's about to tell us. What is the basis? You know. Count it all joy because you know. James appeals to something that they know. You already know this, brothers. You've experienced this. This has been the, the real experience that you have had. You know this. This is nothing new to you. Count it all joy because you know. You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In King James, he says it produces patience. Patience, steadfastness. The word is hupomone. It means endurance. It means perseverance. To, to wait with the hope of expectation without being angry at God. It's an ex expectation, the hope of expectation. And we have to say without being angry at God because there's a reason the King James translators translated it patience. It carries that kind of, of gentle, uh, careful, not angry, not agitated waiting. Endurance, hupomone. 
So there's, there's hope here in the trials. There's, there's strength here. There's endurance here in the trials. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I cannot stand to have to wait needlessly. You know, I mean, if I'm going to wait, I want to know what I'm waiting for so that I can make it through the wait. If I can appreciate what it is that I'm waiting for, then I don't, I don't mind waiting so much. If I know what's on the other end of that wait, I can, I can make it through the wait. If I'm waiting needlessly, get me out of here. Let's go do something else. They that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. The hope of expectation. That's what the testing of your faith produces. That's what these trials that test your faith produce. Now, I want to show you something about the testing of your faith. Something about suffering. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll begin reading in in verse 3. Peter writes and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. In what? In what do we rejoice? We rejoice that God is merciful, that He has caused us to be born again, that He has given us a living hope in Jesus Christ. We rejoice that we have an imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance, and that our inheritance is being kept preserved for us in heaven. We rejoice that we are being guarded by the very power of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith for a salvation. We rejoice. In this rejoice. Rejoice! Look at all the things that's been prepared for you and look at them, behold them, and rejoice. All the things being kept in heaven for you. You are guarded by the very power of God through your faith in that salvation, through the hope of expectation. Look at what he says, still in in verse 6. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. So look at all that you've got. Rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. What does he say? By various trials. Verse 7, so that, there's one of those grounding statements again, you're grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness, we'll get back to that, tested genuineness, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result, so this is, he's getting us, this is the result of the test, the result of the trial, your tested genuine faith will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So the purpose of the trials, the tested genuineness of your faith resulting in praise and glory and honor, that's not random. Look at what he says about the genuineness of our faith. When we are tested through trials and suffering, when we come through it, we're clinging even more closely to Christ. Peter says it is more precious, the testing of our faith, the tested genuineness of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes even though it's tested by fire. More precious than gold. Precious gold, pure gold. That when, when you put pure gold, in, even though it's te- even refined pure gold, you put it in the fire, it still loses all of its form. It just melts but you don't. Precious gold just melts in the fire, but you don't. You are, (laughs) what Peter said, this is why we rejoice. You are guarded by the power of God through faith in that salvation. You don't melt in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't melt in the fire. They were guarded by the power of God through faith in that salvation. What did they say before Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the fire? He said, God may save us. We're going to trust in that. You don't melt. Cold is precious. It melts. You don't. Verse 8, this is what the tested genuineness of faith looks like. This is what suffering produces in the Christian. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And don't you though? Don't you though? For every mountain that He's brought you over, for every trial that He brings you through, He's only taught you to love Him more. He's only taught you to trust Him more. He's only taught you to lean on Him more. Though you don't see Him, you believe Him. I know I couldn't have made it had He not been there. There's no way I would have gotten through this had He not been there. I can look back on it and say, God was with me. And because of that, I'm still planted. That's the tested genuineness of your faith. I may have battle scars, I may have war wounds, but I'm still standing under the power of God through faith in that salvation. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. Oh, church, look at what he says. And rejoice with inexpressible joy, filled with glory. Because you have obtained the outcome of your faith, Amen. the salvation of your souls. Amen. Amen. One more, Romans 5. Let's go to Romans 5. Verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, I should go back and cover the therefore, but I'm not. I don't have time. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, because we are justified, made right with God by faith, we have, what is, what is it that we have? Peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have also, there's that word again, obtained. What did Peter say we had? We had obtained, now we have obtained access by faith into this grace which we st- in which we stand and we rejoice Amen. in hope of the glory of God. Remember what, what, what Peter said, in this we rejoice. Paul's saying the same thing here. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at all the things that's been laid up for you. Look at, look at the strength that has been laid. Look at the incorruptible, imperishable inheritance that is being kept for you in heaven. In this we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Namely, we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and that Christ has bought that grace for us. Our access has been obtained, so we rejoice. He purchased it. He purchased it. And so Paul continues in verse 3. He says, we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that. Well, that's something to rejoice over. But not only that. Not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Amen. Knowing. There's some, oh, he, he's pretty confident that we know this. It's like James, you've experienced this, knowing that suffering produces endurance. That's the steadfastness. That's the hupomone from back in James. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces hupomone, endurance, steadfastness. That's what Paul says. We rejoice in our suffering because we know this has been our experience. We can testify of this truth. That suffering produces in us the ability to stay the course. The trials I walk through, it just makes me stronger on the other end. Amen. Amen. Paul, look at the logic that, that Paul follows here. Verse 4. Endurance, that's that steadfastness, produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So let me me back up just a bit, back to beginning of verse 4. Endurance, hypomone, produces character. That's dokimane. The the word character, however, just doesn't quite do the trick. It just doesn't quite capture the fullness of what that Greek word dokimane means. It's not uh, like endurance produces some kind of stand-up guy. Well, he's a good guy. He's a real good stand-up kind of guy. I mean, he's been through a lot. He's a stand-up kind of guy. That's, that's not what he's talking about. It's much more inward than that. It's much more heavy than that. It's much more personal than that. It, it means, document, it means proven worth. Amen. It's proven, and it's valuable, and its value is proven. Like when Peter talked about the tested genuineness of our faith, faith that has been tried by fire like like gold and it's come out more precious than gold. Endurance produces dokumen, that that proven worth, that tested genuineness. So your suffering, your trials, the tests that you face, they, they bring your faith out of the realm of the theoretical 
into the realm of the proven. Have you ever wondered, what would I do in that situation? If, If I had to face the same kind of trials that they're facing, what would I do? Would my faith be strong enough? You know, we always have those, you know, we consider those hypotheticals. You know, if someone held a gun to your head and said, deny Christ or die, and we're always like, oh, I'd, no, I wouldn't do that. I'd, I'd just take the bullet. Would you? They held a gun to your child's head and said, deny Christ or I'm going to kill the baby. Well, that's, that's extreme. We all like to think ourselves people of faith and say, oh, yeah, oh I, I mean, I wouldn't deny Christ. This is what trials do. They bring it out of the theoretical and they put it into the realm of the real, Amen. Amen. the realm of the proven. Yes. They prove tested genuineness. And so you walk through the fire of trials, you walk through the fire of persecution, you walk through the fire of suffering. And don't we know suffering as Christians? Don't we know suffering in this fallen world? We know it. And James says, and Paul says, and Peter says, you walk through the fire of this suffering and it produces genuineness. Proven worth. Dokimane. There's, There's gold in me. More precious than gold. You, you rejoice when we walk through this fire. We come out on the other end and we, we can look at it and we say, this, this is real. Amen. Amen. I'm for real. I'm not fake. I'm for real. And we rejoice. Thank you, Lord, for making me real. Because it's only Him that did it. There's gold in me, better than gold. I'm not just words. I'm the real deal, document, proven worth. Thank you, Lord, for making me real. i got to hurry. I'm sorry. Let's go back to James 1. Back in James 1, look at verse 12. Actually, let's, let's back up and read verse 4. Um, and then we'll skip to verse 12. Because there are important things... Between verse 4 and verse 12, and we'll just have to cover them later, but I think verse 12 very neatly bookends what James is saying in this, this first section, this first little bit. I think it helps to read them together. So uh, verse 4, James says, Let steadfastness have its full effect. That hippomone, endurance, steadfastness. The hope of expectation, let that have its full effect. Let it prove you. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, now he goes on to tell us there, there's something you can do when you find out that you, you have lack. When you, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask the Lord. We'll, we'll get to that later. But today, let's focus right here. Verse 4, now verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. There it is again, hippomone. Steadfast, under trial, for when he has stood the test, that, those three words, stood the test, it's all translated from one Greek word. It means approvedness. It means accepted. And the word is dokimos, which is very similar to dokimane, proven character. This one is 
proven, and accepted. There's a difference in that it, it, it's where the approval comes from. The dokimane, the, the words from Romans, and the words from Peter, that is, that's internal. I, I can look inside and I can see there's proven worth here. And this here stood the test, dokimos, that's approval from outside. The Lord has looked upon you with approval and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're approved in the eyes of God. You passed. You stood the test. So verses uh, back in Romans 5, proven character, I, I passed. Thank you, Lord, that I, I passed. An internal assurance. When he has stood the test, here in James, that's, that's the Lord is approving of you. What does it happen when the Lord approves? When you've stood the test, he will see the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. This is the hope of our expectation right here. That's the, that's the hope of our expectation right there, that we will see the crown of life, the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Amen. That right there, that's the reason for our trials. That's the reason to build hupomone, to the steadfastness and endurance, hope that is not quenched by the circumstances around us. Amen. The promise of the crown of life. And look who God has promised that crown to, to those who love him. Amen. There is no Christian suffering that is meaningless. Your sufferings are meant to bring you deeper in love with God. Amen. They're meant to make you see Him as sufficient. All sufficient. If I have nothing else, I still have Christ. Amen. Amen. My dad languished for 10 years. Couldn't do much of anything. And he had Christ. And don't you know, he was one of the most joyful people I've ever met in my life. Dokimane, it's real. Hupomone, steadfast. Your struggles aren't random. Your suffering isn't random. What they are doing is producing in you steadfastness that is more precious than real gold. Amen. More precious than a mountain of gold. Amen. Anyone know John Newton? You ever heard that name, John Newton? He wrote Amazing Grace. He was uh, very instrumental in abolishing the slave trade in, in England uh, way back in the day. Um, but he wrote several hymns, but the one that you know is Amazing Grace. There's another one that he wrote that I just, I love, and I listen to it all the time, um, especially in times when I feel like my burdens are just too heavy to carry. Uh, the hymn is called I Ask the Lord, and if you'll indulge me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the, the lyrics. Uh, it says, <clears throat> I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, that I might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. T'was he who taught me thus to pray, and he, I trust, has answered prayer. But it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. 
I hoped that in some favored hour, at once he'd answer my request and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart. He let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe. He crossed all the fair designs that I'd schemed, and he blasted me and laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Will you pursue your worm to death? It's in this way that the Lord replied, I answer prayer of grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set you free and break your schemes of earthly joy that you may seek your all in me. Here's the thing. When I tell you that your testing is not random, the struggles that you face are not random. When I say that trials and suffering are testing, when James says that, when Peter says that, and, and Paul says that, the one who tests us knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to be tested. That's why we call him the suffering Savior. Was he not mocked and ridiculed? Was he not taken upon a high mountain and offered the world? Was he not tempted in every way as we are? Was he not bruised and beaten? Did he not bleed and die? We have a God, a Savior, a high priest who is able to be touched by the feeling. By the, he feels our infirmity. He's touched by it. He's moved by what you're feeling, the feeling of our infirmity, our pain and our suffering. Amen. Amen. And even so, we're tested. But it's not just by anyone. And not just randomly thrown into the fire. We're not just randomly thrown into these things. The blacksmith does not put gold into the fire without a purpose. The potter does not put clay into the furnace without a purpose. Our tester is the Lord. He's a good, good father. The kind and merciful God who is quick to forgive and slow to anger. And there is no Christian suffering that is not designed to bring you closer to him. Yes, so as James has told us, count it all joy. Every last bit of it. I woke up this morning. I have breath in my lungs. I should be joyful. I'm going to praise Him. And if I'm laying in bed and I have to have someone else feed me and dress me, I should be joyful. I'm going to praise Him. Because I'm being kept. I'm being guarded by the power of God through faith in that salvation. Do you remember when Paul talked about in Ephesians 6, the the uh, armor of God. And I just, I picture that 
the armor of God. And Paul says, having done all you can do to stand, stand therefore. And sometimes it feels like the world, there's just an onslaught against you. Like, like everything is coming at you. And, and what we reach for, our shield. Our shield of faith. I just, we're planted feet firm on the solid rock. And we talked about that. And we have that shield of faith. And you know, every dart that bounces off that thing, every fiery dart that hits that shield and falls to the ground just makes it stronger. Amen. I trust in it that much more. You know, people don't want to use weapons they haven't tried. That's why when David went to go defeat Goliath and, and Saul offered him his armor, here, use my armor. What did David say? I haven't tried it yet. Amen. It's not tested. Amen. There's no hupomone. There's no, there's, no, uh, 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 oh, there's, there's no steadfastness there. There's no provenness there. There's no document there. Amen. It's not gold to me. But what I have tested, what I do have faith in, are these five smooth stones <laughs> and the promise of God. Amen. I'll just, uh, I'll leave it there. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and merciful to us. Father, this is it's difficult, I think, a difficult subject that James opened his epistle with. In your suffering, in your trials, to count it as joy. Lord, it's so easy for us to grumble and to murmur and complain. It's so easy to miss the big picture, to be so focused on earthly joys and earthly pleasures that we, we forget what you have kept for us in heaven. Father, I pray, I pray right now, Lord, there, there are people in, in this room here, there are people that will hear this message, there are people in the sound of my voice who are going through trials, who have been through trials. They don't know what to make of it, Lord, and, and sometimes they don't know what to do with it when they're in it and they come out of it, they don't know what to make of it. Father, I pray for a special grace. I pray that you... You, you would light on them with the words of James, count it all joy. Because those trials that we have when we trust in you, they produce staying power. That we will go to the end of our days trusting in you. Did not Jesus say the one who endures to the end will be saved? Amen. Father, make that real for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.